We know that Uncle Sam monitors our giving. Do we always keep in mind that Jesus watches too? Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. The Lord wasn't impressed by all the rich people pouring large amounts of money into the temple treasury, though they were plenty impressed with themselves. They were just giving to God things they wouldn't miss. One poor widow, on the other hand, she taught a master class in generosity. According to Jesus, she gave more than all of them. Not any, but all. Here's Jim. We wish we could have been there 2,000 years ago, standing there in that wide court of the temple. The scribes came in their beautiful robes and their ornate clothing, and the building of the temple itself glistened in the morning sunshine. Magnificent. But Jesus looked past all that and watched a widow woman. That's the essence of the message this morning. The title that we've given it is The Livelihood. It comes from Jesus' statement when he says about this woman's gift that she has out of her poverty, he said, she has cast into the treasury all that she had, her livelihood, her living. Uh, that's an incredible high mark. And as I've thought about and pondered about this lady's gift, there's just a lot of questions that have come to my mind. What would ever make her do that? And what happened to the gift that she gave and why, why she would make that kind of risk? Livelihood, her living. She would have, if she were in my place today, she would have given everything I have. I wonder who paid the rent. I wonder what she had for supper that evening. I wonder a lot of things. And of course, Scripture is silent. It doesn't give us the answers to those things that, about which we're curious. But Scripture does tell us some things that are very challenging. If you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 20, you'll notice that this experience of the Lord Jesus Christ takes place uh, in a context. In Luke chapter 20, we're told in verse 45 that Jesus is teaching his disciples about greed and dishonesty, about the tremendous power of wealth. The scribes are big shots in that society it was their job to make sure that the copies of the scripture were made accurately. It was also their job to know those scriptures minutely. It was also their job to teach people what the scriptures meant. And yet Jesus informs us here that this wonderful high office had been corrupted by human greed. As a result, he warns his disciples about them. He says they will have the greater condemnation. In other words, 
all the wealth that they accumulate is going to result in their condemnation. See, Jesus sees our gifts. The second movement in this passage, Jesus is standing in the temple and he is watching how people give their offerings. And the text specifically tells us that he is watching the rich, the people with lots of money. He is watching how they give and he says that they're giving large gifts. The third part of this passage tells us that the disciples called Jesus' attention to the ornate buildings of the temple, how beautiful they were, gold-coated, carefully decorated, and they are proud of that. They, they as Jewish people, are proud of this, this fine building and what it represents, the place where fallen, sinful individuals can come and worship God through appropriate sacrifices. And Jesus responds that all of those buildings are at best temporary. He says that a day is soon coming when those physical symbols of wealth and power and privilege are going to be torn apart stone from stone. And I take from that, he's trying to teach his disciples that what we do with our resources, even those resources that are dedicated to the Lord's work, what we do with those resources is very significant. And sometimes we can become enamored by putting our wealth into physical symbols, buildings, clothing, and that those symbols are temporary. Jesus sees their giving. The way both Mark and Luke write this, the emphasis is upon the fact that Jesus deliberately is watching. He's not just glancing over his shoulder casually, but Jesus is staring. Jesus is focused on those people who are coming to give. He's impressed with how they give, Mark tells us, and he's impressed with what they give, Luke tells us. Same thing is true today. We tend not to be conscious of that. We're very conscious that Uncle Sam is watching our giving. We're very conscious of that, are we not? As a matter of fact, tax structures and and certain tax benefits are available. So you require of us, the church, and legitimately so, that we keep accurate records of all the gifts. I don't see those records, but people who keep those records tell me that uh, over 2,000 individual people have given gifts to this church since January. I think it's 2,144. That's individuals who have given gifts to the church. And just for fun, I thought you'd like to have us scroll the names and gifts up there on the screen. <laughs> of course, we wouldn't do that. But the point is, we are very concerned that Uncle Sam gets an accurate record of what we give. But have you thought beyond that? 
that Jesus Christ sees our gifts. Story. The burglar broke into the pastor's home on Wednesday night because he knew he'd been casing the joint and he knew that the pastor was gone to prayer meeting every Wednesday night. He cracked a window and eased himself in and closed the door and there in the darkness began to get his bearings and then he heard a voice. The voice said, Jesus sees you and so do I. And he was stunned and he first thought he hadn't heard it, and so he began to walk carefully across the room in the darkness, and the second time he heard that same voice say, Jesus sees you, and so do I. He thought, this has got to be some kind of gimmick that this preacher has. And so he continued to cross the room, was just entering the second room, when the third time the voice said, Jesus sees you, and so do I. And it seemed that the voice was closer, and so he flipped on the light, and there was a Paul Parrot. And as his eyes adjusted to the light, beneath the Paul Parrot was this huge, big, black Doberman Pinscher. <laughs> White teeth, yellow eyes, red tongue. And then he heard the parrot say, Sick him, Jesus. Jesus sees you. That's the first thing we want to take from this passage. The Lord Jesus Christ wants us to know that he is very serious about our gifts, not just in dollars and cents, but in our lives. He is watching our lives. The second thing Jesus wants us to know is that he knows each giver. The passage tells us that Jesus knew the rich and he saw them casting great amounts of money into the treasury. He also saw a certain poor widow. A certain poor widow. Many times in religious circles, the certain poor widows are absolutely ignored. Even in Christian circles, Contrary to what James teaches us in James chapter 2, that we're not to give special attention to or special attention and care to the wealthy, uh, contrary to that, we often do that, don't we? We try to influence the wealthy and the privileged and the positioned, and somehow we think that that makes our church acceptable or renowned, not Jesus. See, uh, Jesus knew the givers, and he knew everyone well enough that he could then weigh the gifts. He said of this woman that she was casting in all her livelihood. He said that out of her poverty, she was casting in all her livelihood. Now, what she cast in was two mites. It was the smallest coin that was circulating in the time of Jesus. And that coin is valued today roughly one-eighth of a penny. In other words, if you had eight of these, and if we were in the the same kind of monetary system, if you had eight 
of the things, the coins that she tossed into the treasury, you would have the equivalent today of one penny. That's not much value, is it? And Jesus knew that on the face, that was a very insignificant gift. One quarter of one penny. And yet Jesus knew, Jesus knew that that gift she had given was her livelihood. That was the money she would need to buy groceries. That was the money she would need to pay the rent. That's the money she would need to pay her taxes. According to Jewish law, two mites was the smallest offering that a person could give. But that's all she had. She gave it. Jesus noted that the wealthy gave out of their abundance. That is, they had lots left over. Whereas this dear lady gave out of her need all that she had. So Jesus watches our giving, and Jesus knows the giver. He knows your circumstances. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. And with Jesus, the gift is an extension of the person, not a substitute for the person. The third thing we know from the passage is that Jesus then weighs the gifts. He, he puts value on the gifts, and he makes this startling statement that this poor widow, in her gift of two mites, had given more than the wealthy with their huge, lavish, ostentatious gifts. How can that be? Well, it can be two ways. First of all, it can be that because she gave everything she had, she has given 100%. There's nothing else that she can give, see? She's, she's given it all. And in that sense, since she has nothing left in balance, she has given the greatest gift. Whereas those who gave and the balance on the check stub was larger than the gift, or there was quite a bit left in the bank after their check had cleared, they hadn't really given that much. It tells us that Jesus weighs our gifts according to the capacity we have to give. Many years ago, before many of you ever came to Grace, we were desperately looking to find out how we could increase spaces here on this campus for Sunday school ministries and ancillary ministries that are so vital, so very, very important to any church. At that time, we were renting space from the Columbus school system, and we had a middle school complex down off of High Street, close to where the elementary building is today. The man who was in charge of facilities at that time accepted the challenge of one of our widows. They met, had coffee, went down, she walked with him through the building. They came up here, 
they walked through the building. At the close of that little tour, this lady said, I think our church needs to move the middle school from down there where we're paying rent up here on this campus so that we can use those facilities seven days a week. And then she said, I must care for my brother, so my resources are challenged. But I have a small savings account, and I would be willing to loan that interest-free to the church to get this project started. Look around you. Look around you. All the buildings on this campus, outside the building in which you sit, are the fruit of that widow's faith. She didn't have much, she said. But what she had, she wanted used for the glory of God. And in her judgment, that process of education in the junior high school and the use of those facilities on Wednesday night, Thursday night, Tuesday night, Sunday merited the investment of all that she had. I made a note the day she told me about that. Actually, she didn't tell me. The staff member came to me and told me about this. And we began the process of informing the various folks and so forth and so on in the church. But... That date was the day when God began to put the burden upon the hearts of many people in our congregation. And today, you look at the temporary facilities out there that are being used by the middle school. You look at the commons. You look at the gymnasium. Just go on and on and on and look. All of that took place after that dear lady stepped up and made that offering. You see, God honored her gift because she gave according to her capacity. And that's what God delights. Let, let, me, let me put that in contrast for you. Turn over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 5 for just a moment. Acts chapter 5. Uh, here's another offering service in the early church. The Lord Jesus Christ has gone back to heaven now. The Holy Spirit has come. He indwells every believer at the moment of their salvation. And, and we read in Acts chapter 4 that all the people who were believers uh, came together. And look at what it says in verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things that he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Verse 34, nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made to each as anyone had need. Tells us Barnabas did the same thing. Chapter 5, verse 1, but a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, see, kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it. And he brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan 
filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. Apparently what happened was Ananias wanted to be thought of as doing what the widow did. He sold the piece of property and he wanted to bring a part of what he had made and give that part and have everybody in the church think, aha, he has given it all. Who put that idea in his mind? Peter says, Satan filled your heart. Who was concerned about that? Was it Peter? Was Peter concerned? No. See, he lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, look what Peter says in verse 4. While it remained, was it, not, was it not your own? When you still had that piece of land, it was yours. You didn't have to sell it. Nobody came, put a gun next to your head and said you had to sell it. It was yours. After a soul, was it not under your control? That is all of the resources, the whole price that you received for selling the land, that was all under your control. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as a result, God discounted an offering, and they carried him out and buried him. His wife comes in a few hours later. You know the story. Verse 8, Peter says to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, so much. Peter says, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? You're sitting there saying, I didn't think God was quite that concerned about my offering, about the management of my money. Ah, oh, yeah, he's very much involved because the management of, the, of your money is the expression of your heart. Look at the last phrase there. How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? She falls down, dies. Verse 11, so great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. I should think so. What it tells us is that our stewardship, our responsibility for managing those things that God has placed in our care, God takes very seriously. That's what it's telling us. And when we're not honest in these matters, we're lying to God, not to the church, not to the elders, but to God, because it's his stuff that you're managing. It's hard to let go of all that you have to live on. The rational mind says, God doesn't expect that sacrifice from you, dear widow lady. He knows your heart. He doesn't need your two mites. But she had a need even greater than her poverty. It was the need to express her love and faith tangibly. Wow. We'll hear more tomorrow from Jim's sermon, The Livelihood. The talk can be yours on CD for a gift of $7 or more. The current series is called Special Works Jesus Did, a CD album of all 13 messages will arrive in your mailbox for a contribution of just $45 or more. The partners of this ministry think of themselves as a family, all united in the desire to get the Word of God out in these last days. And they certainly are a family to us. They, you, make this program happen. If you'd like to lend your support, summer is a great time to do that. Please mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085 USA. Or visit our website, rightstartradio.org. 
You can donate securely online. And we've got hundreds of hours of audio resources waiting there for you, both radio programs and complete sermons. Plus, we'll link you to the daily podcast on iTunes. You can email us, too, at ratestartradio.org. We are in no spam zone, so contact us with confidence. Rightstartradio.org. And call us during business hours at 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. We've spoken of a couple of great givers who pleased God. Tomorrow, Jim will mention a couple of negative examples. We hope you can join us for Thursday's Right Start. Thank you.